0: This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. I am glad that you're here again with us today in this conversation of creating a just society right where you are. Uh, In modern society, we have given ourselves to a lie. The lie is that if something is legal and if the majority voted something into law, then it is right. And G.K. Chesterton said, just because you have the right to do something does not mean it is the right thing to do. So today we're going to be talking about the difference between something being moral and something being legal to do. And as I said, in our modern society, we have given ourselves to the idea that if something is in the law, then it's okay. But the fallacy and the very first flaw in that uh, uh, belief or that thought line is that as humans, we have very limited vision and we have very limited ability to understand. the entirety of, of a situation and to understand the entirety of a law that should be put in place. And we don't have the authority really as humans to create natural law anyways. And so human laws, we will see today comes up very short because it's made, comes from flawed humans. And oftentimes because government officials lend themselves to corruption that doesn't just come from flawed humans but from corrupted humans and so it is very dangerous ground to believe that just because something is legal and something has been voted in by the majority makes it moral. Uh, Let me repeat that quote from G.K. Chesterton just because you have the right to do something does not mean it is the right thing to do. And so we have to understand that there are two laws at work. One is real law or natural law that's permanently in place and cannot be adjusted, cannot be manipulated, and has very dire consequences if we attempt to break natural law. And the other is human law. So let's look at natural law first. Natural law is the law set in place by the Creator. And since this is the creator's universe, then we really don't have any option but to go with it or face certain outcomes, negative outcomes, if we do. And the creator has the right to create his universe and to set the laws in place that he wishes to set in place. And keep in mind, the creator is all wise and perfect in wisdom. And so because of that, the natural laws come from a source of perfect wisdom natural law cannot be changed human law can human law for example one of the human laws in the united states at one point was that alcohol is forbidden to be sold in the united states well then they went and changed it and now it's legal again to sell alcohol in the united states that's how uh impermanent human law is but natural law is permanent cannot be changed and if you go against natural law, you will suffer consequences because natural law cannot be broken. Why, why, for example, as humans, do we fear flying? Because we understand the natural law of gravity. It cannot be broken. If a plane has a mechanical problem and falls from the sky, we know in that moment that the natural law of gravity is working against us. We could pass laws to make gravity illegal, but good luck with that. Other natural laws, thinking of laws of physics, the laws of life, and the dignity of laws these various things—the law of the rising and setting of the sun, or if you're going to be scientifically accurate, the rotation of the Earth. But the the law of of uh, uh, for example, you know that trees, in order to grow, need water and sunshine. You know and And when we put plants and trees inside our houses, it's a great effort to keep those alive. And oftentimes we still kill them. I love cactus. I don't know why I'm, I'm attracted to cactus and just the shape and the formation of it and the colorful blooms on a cactus. But I'm telling you, I have a knack for killing cactus and it's like, how in the world can I be so bad at at uh, helping or bad at working with plants that I can kill a cactus of all things. But I do. But, you know, cactus are meant to be outside in the desert, not in my home in the Pacific Northwest. You know, and trees, plants, they're, you know, mostly meant to be outside. Now people are good at growing them inside. I've been amazed at people, but a lot of times they have to use special light bulbs and stuff that imitates natural sunlight. But you see, There's this natural law in place that for trees to grow. Now, I'm almost thinking in a humorous way that there's a natural law in place that states that the grass in my front yard cannot grow and look emerald green, but grass on the side of a rocky cliff can be beautifully lush and rocky green. I've been uh, emerald green, I mean, I'm just amazed. As I observe how people fertilize their lawns and they water them like crazy to keep them green, even in the Pacific Northwest, we have usually about four months of just totally dry weather. No matter how much rain we get the other eight months, our grass still turns brown and people have to water it to death to get it to, to stay green. But I go up in the mountains and there will be this rock rocky cliff. And I swear there is like a perfect lawn of grass growing on the side of that cliff. And like, how is that possible? So I'm starting to think it's a natural law that if you want a perfectly green law or green lawn, then um, maybe you need to build a rocky cliff in your front yard. Who knows? But there are real natural laws in place. And those laws cannot be changed. They cannot be uh, manipulated. Uh, you have to go with them or you suffer the consequences. Now, another example is that it is legal, and here shows you the difference between human and natural law, it is legal for a parent to end the life of their unborn child. It's legal, but it's not natural. It is not natural for a mother or a father to purposely in the life of their unborn child, that you are going completely, completely against your nature as a mother or father in doing that. It's legal, but it's not moral. I was reading recently that economists have revealed that one of the problems with our Social Security shortfall in the United States is that we have murdered so many Unborn children through abortion, that there is now not enough workers paying into the system to keep it afloat. If all the babies that we have ended their lives in the womb were working now as adults, the Social Security funds would be doing just fine. We went against the natural law, and now look at the mess. Sure, it's legal, but it's not moral. So, and there's the point I'm trying to make, and I want you to hear me on this. Social justice is not a matter of writing laws. It is a matter of understanding the natural law and submitting to it. So again, if you're going to do the work of social justice, don't spend your energy energy into getting more laws passed, writing new laws or eliminating laws or changing laws. Rather, put your energy in understanding what are the natural laws. And let's figure out how to get in line with those. So, for example, subsidiarity is a natural law. When we go against that, then we end up with many economic injustices. The solution is to get back into line with moral law, then injustices correct themselves. So, for example, we went against moral law with segregation, and when we got back into line with moral law, that we are all created in God's image, then just wages and other things began to fall into place and continue to correct themselves and fall into place. If legal equaled moral, then we shouldn't have all the injustices we have because we certainly are not running short of the number of laws on the books. The problem is that we keep going against the natural laws put into place by God. So now we have this question. Why are human laws so weak? Well, I'm glad you asked. Why are human laws so weak? Well, first of all, because they do not prevent someone from harming another. They only punish the person after the fact. So laws against murder only work after the victim is dead. You hear me on that? Laws against murder. And I've told people this, there are actually no laws against murder because laws against murder only work after the victim is dead. They do not prevent people from carrying out a murder. A second reason why human laws are so weak is that they require law enforcers, a.k.a. police officers, and these law enforcers are limited in number and have so many laws that they're trying to enforce that they often have to pick and choose which ones to enforce. It is so random how the police choose which laws to enforce and who they will enforce them on. And now that we have the defund the the police problem, that makes everything exponentially exaggerated. Uh, Another reason why human laws are so weak is they do not change the human heart. No amount of laws stopped Ted Bundy's insatiable appetite for perversion and violence. And so human laws did not change his heart. And they didn't prevent him from the act either. They only punished him after the people were dead and families were wounded. And so human laws have no power to change the human heart. Another reason why human laws are so weak is that the rich and powerful appear to be immune from the human laws. Does it not seem that way to you when you watch the news as you observe society that the rich and powerful tend to be Or it's at least, I don't know if they tend to be, but they appear to be above the law. Like you watching this, you know, you you have different uh, high-profile political officials right now who are facing troubles with corruption. It's like they never get punished because they're rich and powerful. Uh, Human laws also are at the mercy of corrupt judges and attorneys. Attorneys. Now, there are a lot of good attorneys and judges I've met over the years, but a lot of them are corrupt as well. And human laws are at the mercy of these corrupt attorneys and judges who, again, like law enforcement officers, are choosing which laws to enforce and who they will enforce them on. Human laws often are not in line with natural law. So, for example, gender ideology protect, protection. You know, people that want to identify as all kinds of genders, they're protected by law. Well, fine, but the idea of more than two genders goes against natural biology. And so human law says we recognize all these genders beyond male and female, but the natural law says, well, there's only two. There's only male and female. That's it. And you can't go outside of that. You can claim to. You can tweak your body to appear that you're going outside the male and female paradigm, but it's just, it's not possible. It's only a facade. You can change your body parts, but again, it's still just a facade. It doesn't change the natural biological laws put in place by the creator. By the way, I hope that if you're listening and you're a Catholic, that you email our Archbishop here in Portland, Archbishop Sample, who has had to confront some Catholic schools for promoting gender ideology. And thank God for an Archbishop who is courageous enough and cares enough for children in our Catholic schools in the Portland metro area and in Oregon to take rein in the whole thing and he's standing up and he's saying no and he's taking a lot of flack from the media and from from uh, the gender, gender ideology crowd he's taking a lot of flack from them so if you get a chance encourage archbishop sample and say thank you for standing up for what is right so i guess the question then to to close out today is what do we do that's the real big question it's like okay there's natural law there's human law human laws are weak you know natural laws are what we have to work with when it comes to social justice i'm trying to live out justice in my life what do i do well this is a tough one to answer because people are so given to believing that majority opinion and human law is the standard now we can think uh, uh a lot of philosophers of the 20th century for this Karl marx uh, jean paul saw uh, uh his name just skipped uh my mind sautre and others who uh promoted this um uh ideology this philosophy that there is no god and therefore because there's no god i am the one who determines uh, as sauter uh, why am i butchering his name sautre said he said that it is uh that there is no god and therefore it, i am not a blank slate for things to be determined upon me but i am an individual who causes myself to exist, and there's a blank slate before me, and I am the one who paints upon that blank canvas. I am the one who determines my life. Well, when you have philosophers like that from the 20th century ingraining that into our children and into young adults, then you end up with a society who believes they have the right to paint on that blank canvas my gender. My sexual orientation, my, you know, right to be a serial killer, my right to look at pornography, my right to exploit children. Why do we have all that craziness? Because of uh, of these philosophers from the 20th century. So we've got a tough thing to do if we're to live out justice. And so we've got to figure out what. Is the ingredient? What is the path to get back on track as a society? Now, Mark Twain said that if you find yourself agreeing with the majority, it is time to stop and reflect. If you find yourself agreeing with the majority, it is time to stop and reflect. (laughs) I love that quote. It's been one of my favorite quotes the past few years. But the first place it begins to get back on track and how to get uh, back in alignment with the natural law is it begins with the church. St. Paul in the New Testament in the book of First Timothy says that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. The church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. That's what St. Paul says in the Bible And so if the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth, and if the church is goofing up, then society will follow suit. And unfortunately, since the 1960s, many priests and bishops have been playing games with church teaching. I've sadly, you know, been at mass and heard priests in homilies who think that their opinion is above church teaching. And this is quite the Protestant way of thinking. Me and the Holy Spirit is all you need. Huh. Okay. Well, when we have that attitude, it leads to the chaos we have now in the thousands of different denominations. But the church must begin to stand by its own teaching no matter what society thinks of it. That's why our archbishop says, hey, this is church teaching. There's male and female. That's how God created it. And we're not changing from that. If history and the scriptures teaches us anything, it is this. Truth, more often than not, is not popular. Truth is just not popular, and it never gains the majority opinion. But if the church, which grew out of the blood of the martyrs, is taking the easy road, then the church is going against her own DNA, so any church leader who teaches, takes the easy road to appease people, as St. Paul says, those who have itching ears to to appease them, any church leader who tweaks the teaching of the church to try to appease people is going against the very DNA of the church, which grew out of the martyrs and the martyrs throughout history. And the church has said, we don't care what people think we should be doing or saying we're going to stand on the truth. So first, the church has to be the standard of truth and stand on truth with no compromise. The the church must hold on out the truth for all to see like the shining city on a hill that Jesus speaks about in the Gospels. So the church has to be the guide, the one holding out the truth to the world. Second, As commons, well, let me back up before I get into the second point. God has determined, uh, no matter how broken the church can appear at times, because the church is filled with broken humans, and yes, broken popes, broken bishops, and priests, but God has determined, just like he did with ancient Israel, that through Israel, this broken nation of Israel, he's bringing salvation, the Messiah is coming, out of that broken nation, so out of the church and all of its woundedness and struggles, it is through the church that God is holding out the truth and the, the possibility of salvation to the world. So if you leave that church and turn your back on it, you are turning your back on the only hope you have to see perfection, to see unity, to see justice, the only hope you have to experience the salvation of the world so i encourage you if you've left the church come back yeah people are broken i'm catholic i practice deeply the practices of the catholic church But <laughs> i'm going to tell you i'm broken there there's a reason why we have the sacrament of confession because we all need it there's times where i've gone to confession told the priest like yeah i've got some sins to confess but the first thing i just want to say is how i'm broken You know, and and when I go up to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, as I'm walking up, I just say to myself, I am broken and I need Jesus. That's the whole point. And so I encourage you, don't turn your back on your hope that is in the church. Come back to it. And if you see that the church is struggling with something, well, rise up as a saint and help with that very thing to heal next not not only a church but the second answer to what do we do about justice in the midst of a society that's so given to human law instead of the natural law is we as uh, common citizens we have to wise up we must wise up we must take responsibility that and what i'm about to say you may not like but it's got to be said we must as common citizens take responsibility that the knuckleheads who are in political office are there because we put them there. Now, you may say, well, they cheated in the elections. Well, if that is so, it is because you let them get by with it. You see, we tend to roll over and play dead because we don't want to be inconvenienced. But justice demands that we be inconvenienced for a short moment so that others do not suffer injustice for the long term. I think of the example of Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day exposed the military complex for what it is and the industrial complex and the corporate complex. She exposed these complexes for what they were And it certainly did not make her popular, but it did make her holy. And many, due to her taking the unpopular stance, have been awakened to the injustice of the complex. And because of her and starting the Catholic worker houses, you know, I've been positively influenced in my life because of Catholic worker houses uh, here in Portland. So the church must stand on truth. And common people like us must rise to the moment and say no to the machine. I remember watching the local news here in Portland a few years ago, and there was a heat wave coming through the city, and the on-field reporter for one of the local stations was at the zoo pontificating on global warming and how it would destroy the polar bear population. The reporter was standing in front of the polar bear exhibit at the zoo, and I noticed in the background behind the reporter that one of the polar bears was laying on its back, sprawled out, legs spread out, enjoying the sun and the heat. And I couldn't help but laugh at the irony. And we can be so blind as humans. We, we blindly pontificate how right something is because it is legal and we fail to see in the background the complete opposite is true. We must wake up and realize that more laws on the books is not the answer. The answer is the moral law, submitting to the truth that is in Jesus Christ. May we do so as we create a just society right where we are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis a common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.